hello and uh, welcome to another episode of an unqualified guide to the good life um, my every time <laughs> i ask if you want to do it i regret it i don't know why i haven't like but... i just said nick i'm doing the present i'm doing the i'm doing the most of the talking this episode why don't you do the intro why don't you bring us into the into the world of podcasting space? And then you do things like this. Ah, yeah, so I would like to introduce uh, my co-host by the name of... This is why we're not successful podcasters. <laughs> okay, let's um, do it again for the third time live. Because we're not editing this out. Because I was going for it. I was invested. <laughs> so now we have to live with that. Um, we're both complicit Fine. in this mistake. Hello and welcome to another episode of An Unqualified Guide to the Good Life. My name is Nick, a.k.a. Actually, Nick will do for now. And um, I'm joined uh, as ever by uh, my wonderful, sometimes exacerbating co-host, Adam Raspberry Johnson. And um, today we are uh, integrating season four, episode two. So following on from last week, we are elaborating on um, living the good life through the lens of the body. Um, but before we get to that, uh, Adam Raspberry, how, how are you doing? Well, I, I'm fine. Why Raspberry? Where has this come from? I don't know. A, I, feel like, I feel like, like as a moniker for you, like a berry is very suitable. You know, it's kind of like a, hmm. it's kind of like a fairly, fairly harmless kind of soft, squishy, yeah, soft, easy to destroy, soft, squishy, yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty small, kind of sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> could be sour though. <laughs> could, could be sour. Could be tart. Could be sour. Usually found in bushels. <laughs> you know, so moldy if left alone for too long. <laughs> yeah, all cool. of those things. Um, so, raspberry. Well, that's a. It's a weird thing to identify with, but I'm fine, Nicholas. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good, thanks. I'm just kicking back this episode. Just banter gets better and better <laughs> each, each time. Yeah, I'm just chilling because um, uh, you're doing the presenting. We're trying out this new format. Yeah. Where um yeah. where where only one of us presents essentially on a week by week basis, and the other interacts with incisive commentary. So you're gonna present. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to um, listen. So what, what have you got? Well, uh, Nick, today, uh, following on uh, from last week where we talked about movement and, and the body and the importance of moving in the body, um, today going to be talking a little bit about fitness standards and health standards and particularly how this intersects with beauty standards. Um, because we often think of uh, certainly healthy people as, as being quite beautiful um, and, and usually beautiful people as being quite healthy, though not necessarily. Uh, and so I have a quote. Um, Already contentious. Uh, to start. I know. I have a quote to start us off, um, which is basically what I just said, but it's health is beauty and the most perfect health is the most perfect beauty. Um, and that quote comes from William Shenstone, who was a poet uh, and possibly the most famous person to ever come from Hales Owen, which is right. the town in which I was born and lived for the, the first five years of my life. Um, wow. Which is well, why let's I... Let's hope he doesn't he's, he's, hold that the, record uh, for long. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. the, the uh, Weatherspoons in town is, is named after well, him. I've heard of uh, you, but I have not heard of him. So, you know. Well. You're doing well, pretty well for that. yourself. William Shenstone. Um, 
Anyway, uh, what do you think about that, Nick? What do I think about that? Um... Health is beauty, and the most perfect beauty is the most perfect health. No, most perfect health is the most perfect beauty. I like it as an idea, um, and it certainly is a, is a particular take on beauty. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I think... So I, we spoke about beauty and like morality a couple of seasons ago, and we, we had mentioned we the fact that you know in certain spaces beauty is equivalent to truth, for instance, um, mm-hmm. whereas in other places it just has a purely aesthetic um, value um, or like connotations of the sublime, which are like jaw dropping um, and astounding. And um, in both of those contexts, you could probably relate the idea to a certain degree to health. Um, but I think if we're talking about um, human health and beauty, um, I would say that health is beautiful, um, but beauty is not necessarily health. You know. Yeah, that's. Um, I think that's. I think that's fair. I think a lot of people would uh, would would agree with that. Um, uh, my, myself included. Um, but it does suggest that there is there is some overlap between these these two concepts and i'm gonna try and um figure out if if that's true and um uh, and where where these overlaps lie if if uh, if that is the case um by the way for the record adam wanted the... us to do this episode with our shirts off but i protested against that no so i know I, I, I just want that on record no, I that didn't. that's just that's the kind of man that he is you know true. he puts up a good facade but he's a strange guy He's a strange guy in real life. Sorry, go on. Well, Nick, when you have a bod as rocking as me, <laughs> any excuse to take your shirt off? Didn't you? Didn't you get like, um, a, like a, what do they call like a like a cramp? <laughs> yeah, I did. I just got a stitch from sitting down at the desk. It's not. Um, it's not great. Sorry, um, anyway, with that resounding well, introduction. I- <laughs> <laughs> that resounding introduction. And in the absence of the listener um, being able to, to look at my own uh, rockin' bard, um, let me say that we do know, Nick, what the ideal body looks like, really. Or we have a model for what the ideal yeah. body is. I mean, I don't like um, to display or at it often, least but- we can't continue okay, this can't be the episode <laughs> um, uh, or at least we have um what the ideal male body looks like um and this is an image that probably everyone listening will have seen um and it's uh leonardo da vinci's vitruvian man okay and you you will have seen this this is the guy mm. um who has like four arms and four legs and he's standing with them in different positions um and it's to show body proportions right um and the vitruvian man was a product from da vinci uh, named for the roman architect vitruvius because vitruvius did a lot of stuff about perfect architecture and how things should be in proportion and so da vinci also thought that the human body should be in proportion and the proportions he has listed are four fingers equal to one palm Four palms equal to one foot. Six palms make one cubit. Four cubits equals a man's height. Uh, four cubits equals one one pace. And twenty-four palms equal one man. Um, so that's hard to follow, but you can see how everything is in proportion. So to the itself. unit of measure is the palm. Um, uh, well, that's one unit of measure. Even more basic than that is the finger. Okay. Four fingers is one palm. Right. 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 
um, that's the first one there. And then I think there are a few few more uh, proportions that you can draw from this image than that. But these were listed on the, um, mm-hmm. well, the website that I was looking at. Um, now, now this is interesting, of course, because the the Vitruvian Man um, is is a man. Uh, is is not a there. There is no Vitruvian woman. Um, well, there are, but they were created recently as kind of art projects. Um, and I suppose in, in terms of kind of uh lengths of arms and legs and such that there is it, it probably um probably the same proportions apply but of course women do have uh different body shapes than than men right. in generally um but there are um there are there have been differing standards for female beauty uh, throughout the years that we can uh, look at um, the earliest such example I found of like a, of a, of a female form is from a statue that is from twenty five thousand BCE. Um, what does BCE called stand the for? Ve- uh, before Common Era. It's a, it's a secular way of saying BC. Um, okay. And then AD. But in, it's a secular, secular way of saying BC is... that still references a religious event as the start and end of the Common Era, or. Well, yes, we have. I mean, the the fact is that that um, our contemporary society has been defined by this religious right, event, right. regardless of the religious significance that we personally hold to it. So that's yeah. To, the year zero is the start of the common era. Right. Um, so anno domini equals common era before Christ cool. equals before common era. Um, and that thanks for taking my fun fact, Nick. No, that's not my, <laughs> <laughs> that's not my fun fact for the episode. Um, but anyway, from twenty five thousand BCE wow. is the the Venus of Willendorf is what the statue is called. Um, it's just a little statue of a woman, and uh, quite a large woman, quite quite a large woman by by today's standards. Um, and uh, historians, archaeologists have pointed to this as a, as an idealized female form of the of the time. I don't know that it's possible to know that, but but that's what they've um, done. Um, and then you have, of course, the, the very famous Venus de Milo. Which was made around 100 BCE. Is she the one who, who's missing similar. an arm? Missing two arms. Um, yeah, she she is fairly similar to the female ideal we have today, um, but with with sort of smaller breasts and hips, and and yeah, it must be said, fewer arms than the ideal woman <laughs> today has. Um, I would say two fewer arms than the ideal. <laughs> um, uh, and then in the in the 1630s, um, the, the the painter Rubens uh, painted three uh, the three graces was the name is his painting, um, and these were considered to be the ideal uh, female form um, in 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 good shape, but but larger than than is the ideal today, I would say. Um, and then of course you have sort of more famous contemporary examples: Marilyn Monroe, Naomi Campbell, Kate Moss, and and Kim Kardashian. Um, now. Um, uh, now, who, who all have very we'll different body shapes, actually. Um, yes, and I think it's Kim interesting Kardashian. that that's yeah how rapidly that's changed, right? Because there is not a lot of time between uh, the Naomi Campbell, the the, Mar- the Kate Moss, and the the Kim Kardashian body shapes, and using yeah. quite different yeah. um, body ideals. So that that's changed quite quickly. Um, but we'll we will come back to that slightly later. Um, because it is because there is a lack of this sort of Vitruvian man, it is it is harder to quantify, I think, with women and harder to to compare. Um, because I wanted to look at the the aesthetic ideal of the Vitruvian man and consider how it 
actually helps us if we if we if we look like this in terms of fitness goals um and so to do this nick as, as we've sort of spoken about off air before i thought i'd take a look at someone who has a reasonable claim to being the fittest person who has ever lived um and that is michael phelps uh who is no don't listen to nick she was just about to take his shirt off and we've spoken about this and it's <laughs> nick michael phelps has 23 more gold medals than you at the olympics yeah well when you well... have 23 olympic gold medals you can okay, do this well, podcast shirt you know <laughs> you didn't need to specify that he has 23 and those are also 23 more. You could have said 23 more and left it at that. And then people could have hypothesized as to how many I have if they don't know how many he has. <laughs> I mean, you kind of killed that mystery. Um, well, um, it, I'm, sure the, I'm sure the listeners will be shocked to discover <laughs> that you have missed out on an Olympic gold medal so, and that we haven't mentioned so, it in the year we've so been doing far. this show. So far. So far. Yeah. So far, just... what would you what would you go for if you were going to compete in the Olympics? Um, probably probably wrestling. Interesting wrestling, huh? Yeah, Greco Road. That's I think. What what is it about the wrestling? You like the leotards? I've or... I've, <laughs> I've read Plato a lot. <laughs> yeah. Fair. I think I would go for equestrian. Okay. Because it seems to me like it's the horse that does most of the work. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, and actually, the lighter you are, the better, I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm probably not going to be going anytime soon. But, you know, never say never. Never say never. Yeah. Never say die. Yeah. Which I think was the name of a movie. Maybe. Um, well, you know, they've just introduced Muay Thai to the Olympic Games. So there is a possibility oh. that I will be going, you know, as a fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Olympic Muay Thai would be a cool event. Yeah, for amateurs, um, the highest level of amateur. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Add to the many, many tattoos that Muay Thai fighters typically have, yeah. the Olympic yeah. rings across That'd the chest. That would be cool. That would be gangster. Um, super cool. Um, anyway, back to back to the most successful Olympian of all time, Phelps. Um, he's won 23 gold medals, as we said. Um, so he has a reasonable claim to being the fittest person who has ever lived, I think. Um, but... If you overlay mm. him onto the Vitruvian man, it doesn't match at all. He's kind of a freak, Michael Phelps, which I, I think um, he won't mind my saying. I'm not. I'm certainly not the first. Um, Michael Phelps's legs are much, much shorter than his than his trunk, than his torso, um, and he has a huge uh, wingspan in terms of his arms. He's um, he's 190 centimeters tall. But he's, he's two meters across when he stretches out his arms. So that's 10 centimeters more in his arms than in his, uh, than in his height. His feet are massive. Um, really, really big feet, almost like flippers. And he can sort of hyperextend his elbows. They sort of bend um, in, in interesting ways. That's quite so crazy. Kind of kept, kept hung like that. Um, so we can see that, that the idea, the aesthetic ideal which has been defined by uh, Mr. Da Vinci, does not necessarily match up to um, to fitness ideals. Um, Do we know that there is much merit to Da Vinci's uh, proportions, though? Well, no, and um, I, and this is this is a point which which I want to make uh, shortly, which is that these proportions are 
uh, represent an aesthetic ideal, and I suspect represent the aesthetic ideal for a man because they have been defined in this way by Leonardo da Vinci. Okay. Right? Like, da Vinci decided that this was the ideal, and that became the ideal. Yeah. Um, I suspect. Um, and indeed, I think that, that that might be part of why... Um, part of why there is there is sort of less out there about about uh, men's fitness standards than women's fitness standards part of it of course is the fact that um society is obsessed with female beauty in a way that it isn't for for male beauty but also men it's sort of been solved in a way it's this image um which in turn was based off of sort of classical greco-roman ideals um but there was never never such a thing for for women mm. um so what nick is going on here right we do think of um uh uh healthy people as, as being as being beautiful and if you if you google right i challenge the listener at home google how to look better or how to look good or whatever every single post that comes up every blog post or whatever um one of some one of the things on on there will be exercise one of the things on there will be eat healthier one of the things on there will be drink more water and one of the things on there will be stop smoking right all of these things that we associate with with better health will be uh part of the part of how to look better um so there is a relationship but does ideal form follow function or does it come from defining an ideal um and i think that and that is the next sort of uh mm bit that i want to talk about with you um i'd say a mix of the and this is also i think so as well um i think so as well and i think it's probably impossible to draw the line where there's not a lot researched on this i think um but i think that it is it is interesting to to draw um an example that actually that i think um is not not particularly controversial but you, you brought up uh when we were talking a few weeks ago off the podcast um which is that when it comes to exercising men tend to neglect the lower body and women tend to neglect the upper body because these are uh, are what play more into um social ideals of how one one should look right yeah um men want big big chest yeah. and and shoulders and unfortunately and gyms are are littered with the chicken leg syndrome that <laughs> most men Yes, um, it, I mean it's it's true. It's true that uh, I mean it's a meme, right? Skipping leg day is <laughs> is, is a meme. It's it's a it's a joke. Um, leg day is the best and, day. Uh, so people say I had I had leg day yesterday, and it was um, it's tough. I I don't know whether it is because of of this sort of socially enforced ideal, but I do enjoy working out legs less than. Mm. Uh, upper body maybe it's just because it's harder i don't know but um but maybe it's because the ideal has been re yeah. has been internalized in that way um D i yeah. don't know it depends on your i guess on your objectives you and where you're going with it um i find legs legs mm. are tough but um like you know unless i'm doing you know like r rings like gymnastic rings which is just exclusively upper body um mm. legs is pretty much everything else because then i'm outside Right. Like running, skipping, or doing boxing. For like Thai boxing especially, legs are kind of more important almost, you know, so. Yeah, of course. But you also generally don't um, don't kind of lift weights in the traditional sense when, no. you, when you work out, no. right? Like that's not a big part of your workout. No, um, I've added, started adding weights and I think I'm going to move more towards that. But for the most part, I've not really done that. 
Yeah, that now that's that's interesting because that is um what I what I have mostly done. Yeah. Um particularly um since coming coming to Zurich at my parents' house because they have some, some weights here. Um and and that might be uh and I think that maybe in that um upper body is easier than legs. Mm. Um partly because it's it's a little bit harder to think of things to do because there are squats yeah um and and when you've run out of that you have to get a little bit more creative yeah. and that uh and that gets hard whereas there's a lot of, of uh, upper body stuff um yeah although i'm following a very good program at the moment um and uh and so, so i think that that plays into it but there, there is certainly this, this pressure well i think um, also that i think whilst we're here um there is maybe mm. a distinction worth making between um sort of health which maybe has a more holistic um, connotation to it and like fitness almost, you know, yeah. which obviously plays into it. And, um, you know, someone who is, you know, you'd say fit and healthy, someone who is, you know, um, uh, healthy, I, I would say generally is, is, is pretty fit. Um, yes. But like there is also something to be said for like just being healthy in a kind of, you know, natural sense, just by virtue of maintaining good habits, um, like, you know, yeah, like moving around a lot, eating well, sleeping well, drinking lots of water, not, you know, contaminating yourself with too much alcohol or cigarettes or whatever. Um, and then on the other hand, you know, we have like, uh, uh, you know, like fitness standards, you know, where um, maybe the functionality that that will bring to you on a day to day basis has like sees diminishing returns the deeper into that you go mm. you know um and uh and then and and you know and those those are maybe slightly two different things because you know i guess it's it's a is someone who can bench more than you can healthier than you you know it, it's like a mm. so i think that it's worth if we're talking about the relationship of health to beauty and we're contextualizing health with kind of working out as well it's worth noting, I think, that there is like, especially for me, at least I think there is like um, a bell curve and where this kind of notion of beauty becomes a bit ambiguous because you can be healthy. You can be sorry, you could be healthy and and, you know, that could be equated to beauty. But then you can get to this point of like fitness and muscle development that, OK, means you're in great shape. But like the, the health benefits of that are kind of diminishing returns. And you may even be yeah. like putting your body under like excess strain to like hit certain standards and in the long run actually sort of destroying yourself. Um, but that would be called beautiful, you know, because of like the tone mm. of your musculature um, and the shape of your body. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, that's a, an interesting distinction that you have made. And where I would draw the distinction is that it seems to me that um, health is, as certainly the way it has been historically defined, there is a lot of pushback against this now, but health has traditionally been, um, or in in the last century or so, have been defined as sort of the absence of of illness, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, whereas fitness is perhaps a more more active something that you have to like the the default for both is zero, but in other directions, if that makes sense. Okay. So health, if you're if you're at zero with health, you are at peak health because there's nothing wrong with you. If you're at zero with fitness, you're at the beginning stages of your fitness journey because there's perhaps not mm -hmm. not so where you can push mm -hmm. yourself in there now of course the, the caveat of that is is that um health being defined as the absence of illness is is perhaps one of the most criticized things about sort of the western model of medicine right um because it it, it ignores sort of it it has a tendency to pathologize everything um 
you know, it it, it ignores uh, the role of flourishing. Um, what do you mean by pathologize? Well, the idea if if health is merely the absence of illness, um, then all uh, medicine becomes and all well being comes is looking for things that have disturbed that health. Right. Right. Whereas whereas it is not. Um, uh, and and that is traditionally how it's been looked at. Now it's it's uh, people are coming to understand that um, actually like you know social conditions mm. and, and various other things that play a huge role in in health. But um, yeah. But traditionally, it was always looking for a, a cause why you would not mm. be healthy, and you can't always find that cause. Um, nonetheless, I think that that there is something in there as as a distinction between health and fitness, right. which I think is is useful in these times. I think one other think thing, um, if I may, that I would add to that. Um, mm as a really important component if we're talking about um, notions of health, notions of fitness, and then especially notions of beauty, and sometimes these things get confused for one another, um, is youthfulness. Mm. And I was having this conversation, um, uh, you know, with my mom, and she was saying, you know, um, I can't remember what the context of the conversation was or what, what, what brought it up, but at some point she sort of made the claim that, you know, if someone is kind of young and healthy, like it's very difficult for them to like not look good. She was like, just by mm. virtue of being like in the prime of your life, you know, like yeah. that's just something beautiful about that. Um, mm. And you know, you have to, you know, you have to really be like bent out of sorts to to not reflect that. Um, and and I think you you see that a lot, right? It's like you see people. I mean, for instance, like even beauty ideals correlate to that. You know, it's like for instance. Uh, graying hairs or crow's feet um, around, you know, wrinkles um, or like just yeah. kind of an, a slightly more natural decay of your body, which maybe in a sense speaks to kind of like um, a slightly less healthy thing, but not necessarily. Sometimes these are just superficial distinctions, but um, mm. like our beauty standards are geared towards youthfulness a lot of the time, you know? Um, yeah. And that's especially true. That is one instance where it is especially true of women. Yeah, actually, yeah, particularly. And, like, for men, it's slightly, like, men almost, like, have a slightly longer, I think, generally speaking, like, according to beauty standards, like, women, like, prime age for women is is younger for men, uh, is younger for women than it is um, for men, I think. Men, like, you know, men icons of, like, you know, like, um, uh, of attractiveness are generally a little bit older and female icons generally younger um for sure that's that's definitely true um and and also i think even at the even at the outside even in kind of exceptional cases um it it can last longer for men like you know arnold schwarzenegger looks great and he's in his 70s like it's um uh and and you would you'd be hard pressed to to uh find find a woman of that age i think who is who is revered for their sort of uh uh aesthetic appearance in the same way yeah it's much harsher Um, in that sense yeah for sure for sure um and and i suppose playing playing off of that particularly when it comes to health is that um uh beauty ideals which clearly do not follow fitness at all are also um mostly geared towards women we should really have had a woman on this episode but yeah i I just i just thought of that as well i was like (laughs) yeah (laughs) we probably should have done a guest episode for this one yeah um Um, because yeah it would have it would have it would have made us come across less uh uh well as men do but um 
but never mind we please please accept that we're we're trying to approach this with 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 humility and if we get it wrong please correct us and we will be happy yeah. to uh, and in fact we, to, we can take this us. as an opportunity to um to make a point of 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 doing this again at some other point with 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 mm. at least a woman if not two um, <laughs> yeah. on the show yeah uh, and yeah and um, i'm going to use the something that i heard christopher hitchens once say in defense of his own writing um which was that um, he was being asked about something and he says, you know, have you since amended your perspective based on something you wrote? And he says, yeah, unfortunately, I find that um, with with things that you've written or, or things that you've discussed is like only by putting them out there will you then just realize how shortcoming, how far your shortcomings go. Um, right, so once yeah. you're out there, yeah, once yeah. you're doing it, at that point, you can then start improving yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah. Well, uh, we've never we we've never claimed to uh, not need improvement. <laughs> no, it's the basis. Of but this yeah, podcast. The, be, it it is Our indeed it is the whole premise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there are uh, yeah beauty ideas which clearly do not follow fitness um, are mostly uh, geared towards women, I think, um, and you can see this in, in lots of different cultures. Um, foot binding in China. Um, fake tans or indeed fake uh, light skin lightening as is in some cultures uh, lip fillers plastic surgeries more common with women um, all of that all of that jazz um, yeah although I think we'd be surprised think, by that I reckon uh... I think it is increasing for men as well for sure I think the biggest share is still women but I do think it's more yeah. men than you might think yeah um, and just generally and... like um, although the kind of beauty industry is still dramatically more skewed towards women um there is more and more increasingly a space for men within it you know yeah um, yeah definitely definitely um maybe that's gymshark like i think part of it is gymshark <laughs> you know but um uh which i will come up in fact in fact they just while while i remember that um i didn't put these in my notes they they there was an interesting case where um gymshark has was under a lot of pressure uh and in, and indeed did very well on um, not only displaying like the the pinnacle of fitness women in their photos, but but women who are, who are, you know, have other body types kind of thing in mm-hmm. their images as well, and they've done very well in that. And someone said, um, "So are you gonna uh, t- also show pictures of men that aren't taking lots of steroids?" And the response was, "We're working on it. <laughs> like they they uh, just haven't um, haven't done it the same way, which makes makes sense. It's not a priority, but I did think it was uh, amusing." Mm. Mm. Um, but part of this I think and part of why we have this kind of obsession with looking in a certain way and beauty in a certain way is because the body is and has always been essentially a way through which you know status is displayed right um, I was watching a, a short clip on on the BBC website the other day which was actually about clothes um, but it, it showed um, a, a picture of Queen Elizabeth the first and if you've seen like a, a painting of queen elizabeth the first it's probably this one you know she's wearing a quite a large yellow dress big um uh, i don't know what it's called like a bustle like whether whether it kind of goes out at mm. the at the waist um and and they made the point in this video right that it, it if this dress were to fit her body she'd have a very strange body big quite big shoulders very narrow waist big hips kind of like almost a yeah. strange alien shape and the same was true of of her father henry the eighth very deliberately who has um his the most famous painting of him is him sort of standing with his arms on his hips and his feet shoulder width apart um and i i had a lecturer in my in my first year of uni at new college of humanities susie lipscomb shout out who um pointed out that this pose became the default 
pose of masculinity and then showed a picture of Superman next to it to kind of prove that. Mm. Um, so where then does the does the ideal come from? Um, and I think, you know, we've talked about the, the Vitruvian man a little bit, and I think that initially comes from ancient Greece, um, uh, where a lot of our ideals come from, uh, the idea of the Greek hero. Now, these people looked very good. They were muscular for sure, but those muscles also had to be beautiful as well as functional. Didn't necessarily have six-pack abs, but very clearly kind of quite well-defined um, muscles if you look at some of the statues. Um, and I, I, I think that also part of the way in why it's been less well-defined for women and why it changes so much for women compared to men, seemingly, is because women traditionally did not have um, as active a role in the ideal society. Right, like the sign of a of a powerful and successful man was that he was active and moving about and uh, and for example participating in the Olympic Games, the ancient Olympic Games. Um, but the sign of a powerful and successful woman was that she did not have to work and do this. Um, in fact, married women in the ancient Olympics were not allowed to, certainly not allowed to participate. They weren't even allowed to watch. Right, um, uh, there were unmarried women could attend. They weren't allowed to participate. Um, but there was a statue of uh, on one of the gods honored the was Demeter, who is a goddess of of fertility, um, uh, not not of, not of uh, and, and of the home and hearth, right? So she she was not necessarily um, uh, the ideal form. Now the ideal form in that society was Aphrodite. Um, you know she was quite slim, clearly in good shape. But it is important to remember that. Um, she was a goddess of beauty. She was not human. And she was she was designed to be exceptional, right? She was not designed to be the default. She was designed to be the exception. Mm. However, I also read an article which claimed that when the Venus de Milo, as we talked about at the top of the episode, was um, discovered in the uh, 19th century, that women trying to fo- follow that ideal started the modern cult of beauty. That is where... The beauty industry started is with women trying to um, uh, follow the statue. Um, and so it seems like, although there has been a beauty ideal for a long time, until very recently, there was not necessarily a fitness ideal for women uh, because women were maybe not supposed to be fit. Um, but actually, I think this is one of the one of the benefits of Instagram and of social media um, is that now there are people who are promoting uh health health and fitness in in and often that's quite linked up with body positivity especially for independent people who aren't maybe associated with big brands um which i think is is a good step um again especially for women it seems like the um that women have had had the harder time but also perhaps made the most progress in this field maybe i'm maybe i'm off by that but that's how it appears to me um Mm. and so the last little bit that i wanted to to talk about on this note uh and really the last thing i've prepared for this episode is is there anything wrong then with having aesthetic fitness goals um i just want to know what you think about that nick before i talk about what i've looked into do you think there's anything wrong with having aesthetic fitness goals um no not necessarily not if those aesthetic goals are um not to the detriment of your own health because they can be mm. um mm-hmm. if you put them above which um you know uh could incentivize you for instance to overwork yourself um undernourish mm-hmm. yourself um take on extremer forms of dieting 
um, you know, yeah. uh, smoke in lieu of having dinner. <laughs> um, mm. And and these type of things are not really sustainable um, patterns. So I think, yes, there is um, an aesthetic goal. You know, you, you want to lose some weight. You want to build some muscle. Um, you want to develop a specific aspect of your body. By all mm -hmm. means, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Um, if you're working for aesthetic reasons, I personally um, don't find that in and of itself a strong enough motivation. It's not that it's something mm -hmm. that I think is um, superficial necessarily, although maybe what I'm going to say is going to suggest that I think that. But um, if I'm purely working for aesthetic purposes and I was purely training for aesthetic purposes or aesthetic purposes above all else, I probably mm -hmm. would reason myself out of training. I don't think I care enough about that um, mm -hmm. to want that to be. Now, um, I still love training for a variety of reasons, um, and I I would love to I would love to you know um, have that manifested in the fact that I'm built a certain way or whatever. But um, there have to be other motivators, you know. Um, yeah. I think it's too superficial. And I think also there is something to be said for like hitting a goal, which for me is kind of vacuous a little bit. Um, mm. Like if you're training for your health, to develop skills, to build your confidence, um, to move more freely with your body, you know, um, to get to know your body better, um, to build strength, all of these other things then these are like, I feel slightly more tangible things. And even though those things may fade, um, uh, like, I don't know, beauty feels a bit more, a bit more vacuous and also kind of harder to maintain. Like you can probably attest to like doing a fight camp, for instance, and like cutting yeah. down weight so quickly, so dramatically that you're just shredded, like shredded, like you've never yeah. been before. And that's cool, but it doesn't last for more than like no, 24 no, hours. <laughs> and I mean, you know. for me, it lasted until I weighed in for the fight yeah, and then I yeah. had breakfast and I just wasn't shredded anymore. Yeah. Like that, that was the last time so that quickly. I was. And so like <laughs> knowing what it takes, again, you know, so on the one hand, um, working towards that, like you can sacrifice a lot in the way of it. Obviously we were working for weight, not for aesthetic mm. ideals then, but yeah. like what we were doing is cutting fat. So, you know, that's kind of the out outcome of that. Um, but then if you, um, knowing that the requirements of holding what we consider to be an aesthetic ideal, and I, and I'm not, sorry, I'm kind of rambling mm. with this answer to your question, but, um, you know, we think of like the aesthetic ideal of beauty, particularly for men, but for, uh, at least because that's what I notice for myself. Um, and I, and I think it's true of women, but especially for men, we have this problem is it's bullshit like the way all of these I, I mean it's a pretty bold claim but i would not be surprised mm. if the majority of people in hollywood are on steroids because it's oh, it's yeah. it's not actually sustainable to look like that these are people who are being paid millions of dollars to look like that who have private chefs who you know have private coaches and who devote their entire life to look like you know um whoever what's the name of the guy who plays thor for instance um, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth, you know. And also they'll like talk about like yeah. their incredible body transformations. And then for like, mm. but you know, and they will even talk about it in interviews themselves. They'll say like, oh, for that scene, I like crashed, like crash dieted. I like didn't drink water yeah. for two days, you know, yeah. so that I look totally shredded and all of these things. And so we start like the ideal we have in our head 
is like virtually impossible to attain. So if we are training yeah. for aesthetic goals, we have to be very careful about how we set those and we have to be very careful about the means by which we go at them because they're so likely to actually be detrimental to health and stand in the way of more yeah. long-term sustainable fitness and health and wellness gains. Um, so with all of that caveat, no, in and of itself, not necessarily a bad thing, but like, God damn it, man, be careful if that's the road that you're going down yeah. because there are so many traps. There are so, so many traps. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I, I very much agree with you. And to be honest, when I started researching for this, um, I th kind of thought that's where I would leave it. But there were a couple of points that, that came up in my research, which mm. I think are, are worth um, noting here. Um, the first is actually just something that, that, that I have observed, which is um, we, we tend to think of this as a, as a modern problem and particularly one associated with social media, though I think mass media would be more accurate. Um, but I don't, and maybe that's accelerated things, but I don't necessarily know it is the be all and end all, because if you look at like Michelangelo's David, dude's jacked and, um, and David <laughs> was famously a small man yeah. who slayed a giant. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that it is new, though no. perhaps it's been accelerated. I, I, what I will say, though, is like a lot of those characters um, were warriors. They were full-time soldiers, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like they're designed to be killing machines, which in a sense, like sure. for, for the ideals of male, like fitness uh, is like kind of like the apex of fitness, right? You want like all of the all of the skills you can possibly have to be kind of the most dangerous, like, effective killing machine. Mm. But, like, I think what Instagram does, which is dangerous in social media, is it makes it seem like a, like a norm, you know? Yeah. It makes it seem like, oh, yeah, I go about my daily job, and on the side, like, I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 70s, you know? Yeah. It's like, that's, that's I think, where the day... Like, this, like, disconnect between, like, if you want to look like that, you have to live like to look like that right. you know what i mean yeah it's not just a thing that you do by going to the gym a few times a week <laughs> that's that's an excellent point um now beyond that i i broadly ag agree with you and um although i will say that i don't know that i don't think it's necessarily vain or, or vacuous to um have um an aesthetic goal as an aim uh, as we talked about at the end of, of season two you know i think that uh the pursuit of aesthetic ideals can can be a mark of mm. respect mm. to people and things around us if we think of it in that way yeah. um and don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not i'm not pretending that i'm not invested yeah. in aesthetic goals either um yeah. i just kind of like prefer to reason it out for myself another way knowing that if i was striving for those alone i probably wouldn't have the discipline to hold the root but it's like a, a, For sure. a cool side effect, I could say, you know. I, I think so as well. And I think that actually the part of the problem is that we, we use the term goal when we should should pick another word. And it may be aims or maybe ambitions mm -hmm. or maybe, maybe even dreams. I don't know. Because the thing is with aesthetic goals, and, and this comes from melbournefitnessandperformance.com.au, um, is it, it is very, very hard to measure for a specific outcome when it comes to aesthetic goals right and so you will be chasing an ideal that you can't but kind of it's impossible to define right. really and when you are chasing a goal that is impossible to define then it, it's very very easy to give up mm. right and part of this is like whether you're training for aesthetics or, or or performance or whatever a lot of it will be the same you know it's easy to fall yeah. down rabbit holes of unhealthy but you'll be doing some lifting you'll be doing some running you'll be doing some foam rolling whatever but 
performance goals of specific outcomes. Like maybe you want to be able to squat 100 kilograms. Maybe you want to be able to do 50 push-ups unbroken, run 10 kilometers in 50 minutes. You know, these are all things that mm-hmm. are challenging, but there is a, it, it's very measurable how close you are to that, right? Whereas I want to look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club is it's very hard to achieve <laughs> yeah. because there's no there's no intermediate steps yeah, right yeah. you just throw yourself into it yeah um and also you know there is something s- to be said for like simply like the like the the kind of beauty of the individuality of the human body right mm. and like so like one super simple thing right is abs right it's like the mm. abs is like one group of muscles and you know people yeah. like okay you have obliques to the side and you have like different muscles across your torso but like the abs the six pack that's like drawn in front of you um the degree of definition that you will arrive at depends not on the amount of work you do but on the genetics you have like your abs Mm. will be skewed or you'll have eight of them or you won't have any or you'll have four or whatever the case is if you cut the fat um the fat percentage on that part of your body um you're not in control of what that looks like you know, and if we say like, oh, yeah. the, the the slimness of a Brad Pitt or whatever, um, like that, like some people are just like, m- like morphologically, like incapable of looking like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, that is dangerous, too. And uh, and the other thing I think that, that people forget is that we abs in particular uh, and in particular for men, I think, with abs, um, it's seen as this kind of be all and end all goal. Like I want visible abs. But they're kind of no good on their own. I remember seeing a, a many years ago now an image of a guy who clearly, clearly exercise and fitness was not a big part of his life, um, who got like implants for abs, and he looked so weird. <laughs> it was just it was an unsettling <laughs> yeah, yeah. image yeah, because it's... it just didn't fit with the yeah. rest of the yeah. rest of the body. Yeah. Um, but that being said, also so, like yeah. your, I mean, your abs and like your stomach will just be worked by virtue of the things that you do because like those are the muscles yeah. that hold you up. Like if you have to lift two hundred kilos to squat those, like you need abs because your spine can't hold that. Yeah. You need for those sure. muscles. Oh, and one more thing I will say on abs is there is no such mm. thing as working lower and higher and middle abs. Like all exercises right. that work your abs, they work the same muscle. Like it's just fat right. percentage. <laughs> That's it. Right. There's no like yeah. secret to unlocking it. Just, you know. Of course. Um, and, th- and the last thing I'll say is, and this is, there was a fitness blog I came across called it's Jenna J.com, um, which looked at uh, uh, questions things to consider before embarking on athletic fitness and i think this was um the the blog in general is aimed for for a female audience i think a lot of these are applicable um even if i might phrase them in a different way because they they feel a little bit charged although it's hard to say why um okay. so that's an interesting one but there are some interesting things i won't go through all of them but um but but interesting ones to consider are how do you think you'd feel if you accomplished this goal and are there any other ways in your life that you might achieve the same feeling what are they is it related to a specific number weight clothing size bmi body fat percentage where did you come up with this number based on how you naturally exist in the world how realistic is it for you um what do you have to change about your life to accomplish this goal what are your reasons for wanting to pursue this goal um 
uh, why do you feel, and this is, I think this is a really interesting one, why do you feel like you aren't already able to wear a specific type of clothing, eat a certain type of food, or do something you really want to do? Who or what made you think and feel that way? Um, so there are a few others, and, and we'll put a, a link to it in the show notes. I think we often claim that and forget to do it, but I'll make a note of it this time. <laughs> um, this is a nice thought. Uh, but yeah, some some interesting questions just just to be as we have promoted before reflexive about the goals you you go on and question why you hold them and what you hope to actually gain out of them uh, and also having something specific and measurable will probably get you closer to aesthetic goals than having aesthetic goals yeah. right like is uh it because you will look better just by being healthier yeah. and feeling better people who feel good tend to look good as mm. well um which is something we haven't talked about at all in this episode but i think is is generally true yeah um, and that's all I have to say on the matter, Nick. Do you have any uh, thoughts before we before we conclude? Um, I mean, we could talk about this for quite some time, and obviously, you know, we covered this partially, as we noted. Um, and would would it would be nice to do this conversation over as well, um, with with other perspectives. Um, and I think you know we have not spoken also to the fact that um. There are more sinister conceptions of ideals when it comes to um, kind of uh, ethnic features as well. Mm. Um, that's yeah, a big sure. that's a big thing, um, and taking into account cultural diversity as well when it comes to um, these things, and and that's yeah. a whole sinister aspect. But maybe that pertains, um, you know, more specifically to. Um, beauty than it does to health as well in terms of like trying mm. specifically to relate um ideas of beauty to ideas of health um mm. like like i said i think really for me it's it's um if you are healthy and you and you invest in your own health that like that will be reflected like you feel good um you feel content with yourself you're confident in your own skin like if you're if you're looking to feel you know attractive, I think there's nothing more attractive than that, um, really. Mm. As that's how I would see it. So if you invest in that, you know, um, then the 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 as well as all of the primary objectives that that'll help you um, achieve, you will also kind of like that will kind of shine out of you as well. I think. Um, yeah. And and. Uh, and yeah, and then obviously we haven't talking we haven't spoken about you know the relationship of of like superficial beauty to personality as well, and you know, like so there's there's a lot we could do, but um, yeah, really it sounds like we need to do this episode a couple of times over with lots of different uh, mm. people on to to share. Yeah, it their, could be its own season, really. Yeah, for sure, um, for sure, uh, and and with that in mind. Um, yeah, let us know if uh, if there's anything you particularly want us to talk about in regards yeah. to this. Or, or if you want to come on the show. really a crime not to do. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, if you want to come on the show, please please get in touch. I, I Actually, Nick, I didn't tell you this, but two people reached out the other day about that. We'll talk off air. Okay. Um, <laughs> pulling back the curtains anyway, behind this masterclass of an operation. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. I think I like to think that part of our charm is how candid we are about how this yeah. works. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> me too. I don't know that anyone else thinks that way, but you know, <laughs> whatever gets us to keep doing this. Oh dear. Yep. Well, Nick, uh, on that bombshell, is there anything you want to plug? No. I mean, 
I make music. Check me out. Come on, meets world. Come on, the wolf. We're on all platforms. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and from my end, watch this space. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> did an were. article. You did an article for the New Bohemian. Oh, I did. I did do an article for the New Bohemian. First one for a while, which has been going for a year yesterday, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah, about uh, how to think like a digital nomad. You can find that at la nouvelle bohème.com. Um, nice. Yeah. Cool. Let's do a fact. Yeah. Um, do you have one? I do have like a fact. Um, I'm happy to go first. Um, okay. And simply, I came across something which is really cool um, that I didn't know and sort of explains a lot to me which is the principle of counter shading. Um, and in very simple terms, um, if you have ever wondered why the um, upper side of a predator, like a shark, for instance, um, or indeed like a tiger, um, is darker um, and the underbelly is generally white, um, in the case of the shark, it's particularly obvious, but you'll see that it applies to um, many other animals in this circumstance. It is because when looking from above a shark, the dark blue or gray or whatever color it has will blend more easily in with the diminished light that you look at mm. looking downwards. Whereas if you look up, the shark is more likely to blend with the light coming from the 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 well the, the, the planet above Um so so that is why actually um it, according to um something called Thayer's law T H A Y E R um who was actually an artist um um and he was trying to develop this theory um for uh, military camouflage um uh and and yeah I mean so some uh, anyway inter inter interdisciplinary uh, um ideas but um yeah I I thought that was just a really cool idea that uh the yeah. reason why the reason why sharks it seems have developed these two layers um of color is because of perspective because they're more likely cool. to ambush from um above if they look like the light and from below if they look like the dark and so similarly you can see that for all predators that's uh, that's really interesting super cool thanks for sharing mm. um my my fact comes from uh yeah ancient the ancient olympics um, and it's about, it's uh, Kiniska of Sparta. Um, she was the daughter of King Archidamus mm. of Sparta. Um, and she was the first woman to be listed as an Olympic victor in antiquity. Her chariot won the four horse chariot race in the 96th and 97th Olympiads. Um, so that would be 396 BCE and 392 BCE, respectively. Now, it was forbidden for women to to be present in the Olympic Games. Um, and she broke this tradition. Uh, and the reason it was sort of permitted was because for equestrian events, the victory wreath, also called a cotinos, was won by the owner, not the rider of the horse. So Whoa. she was okay. uh, she raced in it because she didn't get the reward. It went to the owner and not to her. Um, that's crazy and she's the first yeah female olympic victor in history i suppose wow interesting mm. yeah and it was the 96th and 97th one which is very telling yeah, <laughs> yeah. and the daughter of a king too yeah which actually is um, a, it's a nice uh, it's a nice look back on this episode <laughs> mm. 
yeah definitely mm. definitely mm. um uh, it came from one of the websites i looked at in order to research it pulling back the curtain ever further um and with that uh uh nick thanks for, for potting with me uh, yes uh, thank and, you very um, much you. it has been a oh, pl- no. pleasure uh, and thank you to you dear listener for listening and with love and we are rage, going to close goodbye. the episode that we started goodbye au revoir <laughs>